0: Well, I mean, at at the base level, the way I would describe it to like a family member who's like, "What is this?" It's it's basically a way to get exposure to Bitcoin, uh, through your traditional financial means. So you have, and most for most people, it's going to be a 401k, one k a Roth uh, retirement account, where they would normally buy you know IBM stock, right? And they can now buy Bitcoin. And so, uh, previously they were able to buy the Grayscale uh, Bitcoin Trust um or they basically bought companies that held bitcoin right and that's where we saw microstrategy have this you know tremendous run when they started buying bitcoin and there were several other companies that did that um and saw their prices you know appreciate tremendously as people were looking to get exposure through you know, traditional finance means, which basically for most people in the audience, just think of it as your 401k, right? So I have a 401k, I have a Roth uh, 401k. It's my retirement account. Uh, I can buy, sell and trade in there. It's tax-free till I retire, right? Or whatever. And, you know, but I can't buy, you know, I can't go out and buy Ethereum or Cardano in there, right? And until recently, you really couldn't buy Bitcoin in there either. You could buy the grayscale, right? which had really, really high fee and some potential shadiness as we don't know exactly how much uh, Bitcoin they held and all this sort of stuff. A wallet, a spot ETF is far, it's it's literally they're buying and selling Bitcoin every day to balance that ETF. So you know, as far as traditional finance goes, this is pretty much as, as much a one of, one-to-one relationship as you're going to get uh, with the underlying asset, in this case, Bitcoin. Roles that are absolutely paramount. It's, the, it's the the and
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, the passing of the Bitcoin ETF, it's been it's one of those things like it's kind of like the girl who the boy who cried wolf if anyone remembers that that old man's tale where you know people keep saying this is going to happen this is going to happen this is going to happen and people prepare and then it never actually happens and then finally this week the bitcoin etf after years of speculation was passed what are
0: your thoughts on that it's you know the um (laughs) it's like uh you know all of us in in crypto uh who have been in it for any sort of length of time and aren't just looking at number go up, feel like this technology is something greater, you know, than, than, well, if you, if you're not a maxi, uh, is something greater than simply, you know, Bitcoin and, and hard money. It's, it's something greater. And, um, you know, I'll pin it up top, but I had a post where, you know, I'm listening to Larry Fink and that that video was going around about the tokenization of everything. And I I said to myself, God, that reminds me of like, you know, posts on Bitcoin talk forums in in 2013. Right. It's like the normies are waking up to the potential of blockchain technology. Right. And I think the ETF is like this, you know, we're kind of holding off as like, oh, this is like a first step in a greater awakening. Um, And I believe it is, you know, I do believe it is. I believe that the vast vast majority of the world and i'm speaking mainly of you know the west and you know america specifically because that's where i'm you know very connected and i live in costa rica so i'm very connected here as well and trust me when i tell you 99.9% of people have no idea what bitcoin is let al- let alone what blockchains are right and what public blockchains can do and so the awakening that needs to take place where people can understand ownership of digital items like we're just at the at the early, early stages of that. And I think, you know, the Bitcoin ETF is is an important step. Um, there are a lot of things that, you know, I don't think we as as crypto native people maybe took into account on how this might not go so great for us. Meaning how, you know, a lot of us are are of this mindset, oh, ETF's gonna happen, therefore Bitcoin's gonna automatically go up. And like there's a lot to that um a lot and we can get into some of those details but there's also this this whole section of it where if you're in kind of traditional finance like I was when I graduated college worked on the board of trade in chicago um you know you realize that the amount of manipulation that takes place in traditional finance um is so vast that you realize that it's it's not decentralized at all right it's not it's not at a one-to-one level at all and um we can get into all these details but uh you know i I, some people i follow here on x are like look this is a trojan horse for basically a whole bunch of bad things that could take place in the crypto space where crypto basically gets hijacked by traditional finance and and governments and so there are lots of details there and i'd love to get into them um you know i just don't know where you want to start man
2: honestly I, I i love that the fact he's thrown up the trojan horse at the start i mean i feel like i want to go straight in there but maybe we should give a bit more for everyone else like a bit more background about what the ETF. it's like just for all the listeners here in case you're not a complete crypto native adam do you want to give a very top line of just a summary of what the etf actually is and what it means
0: well i mean at, at the base level the way i would describe it to like a family member who's like what is this? It's it's basically a way to get exposure to Bitcoin uh through your traditional financial means. So you have and most for most people it's gonna be a 401k or Roth uh retirement account where they would normally buy, you know, IBM stock, right? And they can now buy Bitcoin. And so uh previously they were able to buy the Grayscale uh Bitcoin Trust, um, or they basically bought companies. That held Bitcoin, right? And that's where we saw MicroStrategy have this, you know, tremendous run when they started buying Bitcoin. And there were several other companies that did that um, and saw their prices, you know, appreciate tremendously as people were looking to get exposure through, you know, traditional finance means. Which basically, for most people in the audience, just think of it as your four hundred one k, right? So I have a four hundred one k, I have a Roth four hundred one k. It's my retirement account. Uh, I can buy, sell, and trade in there. It's tax-free till I retire, right? Or whatever. And, you know, but I can't buy, you know, I can't go out and buy Ethereum or Cardano in there, right? And until recently, you really couldn't buy Bitcoin in there either. You could buy the Grayscale, right? Which had really, really high fee and some potential shadiness as we don't know exactly how much uh, Bitcoin they held and all this sort of stuff. A wallet, a spot ETF is far it's it's literally they're buying and selling bitcoin every day to balance that ETF. So you know as far as traditional finance goes, this is pretty much as as much a one of one to one relationship as you're going to get uh with the underlying asset in this case bitcoin. Um so that's basically the basic high level.
1: What what really surprised me Adam was uh the impact that the ETF's approval had on the markets and by that I mean the lack of. Yeah. I, I, for years have been waiting, okay, this ETF, it's gonna get in the hands of investors. We're gonna see a great, this great big market reaction. And it didn't happen. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Well,
0: what, what we actually saw, and, and I'm not, I'm, I'm certainly no expert, I, I, you know, I'm fully crypto native. And so I spend very little time now on on stocks and bonds, although I used to do it uh, on the daily. But um, basically from what I understand, uh, people I follow who who I I trust. What basically happened was there was so much pent up um, uh, exit demand in the grayscale that people were basically exiting that those grayscale positions because if you tracked it at all over time, you knew that there were opportunities to get into the grayscale trust at you know thirty or forty percent below the actual market value of the Bitcoin they were supposed to be holding. So there was the there was this um you know discrepancy between what the value of the trust was supposed to be and what the share price was. And so um from what I hear, basically people were exiting that grayscale en masse um to take advantage of that as well as you know, take advantage of the price run up, um as well as the shrink of that that differentiator, you know, that percentage. Um And also with the eye that, look, Grayscale is going to be the worst of the investments because the percentage that Grayscale charges on that fund is like, I don't know, 5x more than BlackRock's going to charge on their fund. So uh, basically Grayscale is, is either dead or is going to, you know, what Grayscale hopes is move into their own spot ETF, and then they'll reduce their fees and stuff and come along, get in line with... With blackrock on their fee structure but for right now people were basically exiting that that grayscale position and when that mass exit has happened we get the massive price dump and uh so on and so forth markets are complicated uh is the high level of view on that and sometimes you just and sometimes it's just to sell the news right um you know but long term where it goes you know this is as, this is as good a guess as anybody's but for me i mean long term i think etf brings a lot a lot lot more holders in the bitcoin space i don't think there's any doubt about that there's basically zero doubt um you're gonna have a massive wealth transfer over the next 20 years of basically boomers dying and all that money coming into uh you know millennials hands and when you think of millennials and their 401ks what are they going to put money into uh, you know it seems to me these are these are Far more in- people, far more interested in um, crypto and Bitcoin itself, and so I think there's just going to be a tremendous amount of movement uh, into the Bitcoin ETF long term.
2: I totally agree with you. I mean, do you also think, from a technology standpoint, do you think that the introduction of the Bitcoin ETF will drive more technolog- technological technological in- innovations or integrations between traditional finance and DeFi?
0: Uh, God help us. Uh, it may, um, but this gets into the one of the kind of sticky um, Trojan horse things that um, you know, native crypto people and people who are pushing for you know freedom of peer to peer transactions. Uh, we can get hoodwinked into something that we think might be good, but in the long term ends to be uh, this Trojan horse, which is has these unintended consequences which we didn't foresee necessarily. And then have a huge negative impact. I'll give you a perfect example. um the silver market. if you know anybody who trades silver, you know that silver is like the most manipulated market on the planet. um you know, if you look at the price of silver, you know traditionally, it like doesn't even move uh even in times of scarcity and stuff, there's such ma- manipulation of the silver market that you know. It's very possible with these additional tools built around, you know, a Bitcoin ETF and then other paper products that they build around that you can get massive, massive market manipulation um, because these are players. These are like the big bank players that can completely compress, move prices, um, do all these sort of things that are, you know, traditional finances is, is known for this shady behavior. Um, and if you ever talk to a silver trader, uh, you will know their anger and angst as things simply do not make sense, uh, oftentimes in the silver market at all. And, um, you know, up is down and down is up. It literally can get insane. Uh, and that's through market manipulation and, and these crazy financial products that, you know, traditional finance builds around this stuff. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. I, I think we can all agree that traditional financial institutions aren't exactly known for their, uh, I don't know, their ethics, their being forthcoming, you know, all that good stuff, or else we wouldn't have a need for DeFi. And that kind of brings me to a question I have is, what type of what, what type of effect does a Bitcoin ETF have on things like yield farming and staking? And do we start to see more institutional investors in those type of traditional DeFi activities?
2: Ooh,
0: my... Certainly, in the short term, my gut says no. Um, I think that, in the same way, Bitcoin was and still remains uh, somewhat challenging for you know traditional investors uh, to hold or at least think they can hold safely. Uh, any sort of DeFi products like that, um, you know, I, I think are aren't going to be impacted at all. I think DeFi really is driven by you know individuals uh, and small groups, uh, but not traditional finance and traditional finance would basically stay away from that stuff. So my gut says no. And my, 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 this is like more Trojan horse, um, mentality is that actually what happens is by doing the ETF and by moving in this sort of direction, um, the idea from the traditional finance point of view is to convince regulators and governments that individuals actually don't need to hold their own Bitcoin right they don't need self-custodial wallets right and self-custodial wallets they'll try to convince you know the globe and the population that self-custodial wallets are only held by uh you know um terrorists and and uh drug dealers right or something like this and so use the idea that you can hold it through you know traditional finance structures as a way to basically cut the knees cut the the legs out from underneath um you know the entire thing that crypto stands for which is peer-to-peer transactions and true ownership of digital items right um that's the that's the huge huge Trojan horse that is of the most danger and I, I've talked about this a lot. The idea of us as a community uh, allowing self-custodial wallets to be taken away from us, like that's the line in the sand. That that's the cannot ever go back. Um, that's that's the end of human freedom, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, so so that's the the stand. That's like the line in the stand that we all have to recognize. Uh, whenever that comes up from a politician or whoever starts talking about that, that is a no go that that's a that's a deal breaker all all bets are off um so that's my true true concern of this is that this is actually a way for them to get in and say you don't need self-custodial wallets Uh, there's no need for it um and if that happens
2: uh but do you you think they have the power to do that i mean i know it's a large question but do you really think that there won't be such an uproar when you if they turned around and said we don't need self-custodial wallets and everyone would be like wait 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 hang on do you really think they have the power to make the regulate the regulations to make that happen
0: uh they absolutely do uh I, I you that's know that's so terrifying it, isn't it? <laughs> it, it it's super terrifying i mean look i'm specifically talking about the u.s because i'm a u.s citizen right uh, and even though i haven't lived in the u.s in 30 years um still Uh, I know that and this was a risk before with Bitcoin too. If they they had somehow, you know, banned Bitcoin, right? Banned US persons from holding Bitcoin. Most US persons, 99.999% of people would never hold Bitcoin, right? Because people don't want to break, they don't want to go to jail. They don't want to commit a felony, right? And if they can, I mean, I think my gut says crypto is winning enough that this isn't going to happen. But this is still a risk that's on the table. And, um, you know, my gut says it's not going to happen, especially in the States, because we do have um, this general feeling of, you know, we we believe in freedom and the in, the rights of the individual, like at the core. But that doesn't mean, you know, societies can't go off kilter, right? And so for me, that's just, I'm not saying it's happening. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I, I just say it's something that we as, as crypto native people need to be aware of. And push back at the slightest hint that that's being moved forward, so
1: that does actually bring up like a solid question here. What sort of cultural impacts does a Bitcoin ETF have on on you live in Costa Rica? you know that's that's a part of the world where where Bitcoin and decentralized finance can really have a major impact. Um, do you see the ETF or crypto in general really affecting
0: like day-to-day culture and developing developing nations? I think what it does is it, it just um, – the, the nice thing about the ETF is it brings, crazy enough, an air of respectability to it, right? Um, so, you know, whatever. My mom's watching CNBC, and she sees, you know, the Bitcoin ETF come on uh, and whatever. Larry Fink talking about it. It adds this layer of, oh, this is actually real now. Oh, this isn't internet money anymore. This is actually a real thing now. Which is, you know, I mean, look, we're crypto native people. It's silly to us, but to the average person, they're like, "Oh, this is actually kind of this is I get this. I guess this is legit now. Maybe I should put a little bit of money into it." Right. So, like, I I, in in a way, I think it's all a game of just moving forward um, and kind of awareness building through this ETF uh, is funny and and kind of hilarious. Uh I'm going to go look for that tweet too cuz it it is literally crazy. That I mean if you know your hi- kind of crypto history at all, you realize there was a huge movement with mastercoin and and the various, you know, ravencoin and all these sort of things to you know even with counterparty, we had this this movement of trying to basically bring shares of company onto the blockchain, right? And to to see it now Larry Fink talking about it in 2024 is uh it's just it's awesome and hilarious and of course traditional finance wants to like take credit for this brilliant idea of tokenization um but we can get into the details of like how that might look um you know is it going to be on a public blockchain like ethereum or will it be on a private blockchain owned by um you know blackrock infidelity and who knows else uh yeah yeah that's the tweet man right there i swear to god he could be talking about big uh, from a uh reading from a bitcoin talk uh forum post in 2013 like literally um literally if you if you know anything about bitcoin and and crypto history like this stuff has been talked about for more than a decade um but now we're actually getting this like movement where regular finance, traditional finance, and by by, just by being close proximity to others, um, we're gonna get a wave and it might be another decade, but we are going to get a wave of people recognizing that storing digital items on public blockchains is a complete game changer for how uh, we own things in this world. And, uh, you know, sometimes these things take decades to implement and a lot of understanding and awareness to kind of uh fully form and you know it feels like we're at now a decade on we're at the beginning stages like now we can begin explaining to the the our normie friends like how this will work in a traditional like structure um so it's exciting it's exciting to see what we build out from here
2: I agree with you completely on the traditional, like the normie friends thing. I mean, I was out uh, at a girl dinner the other day and my girlfriends, none of them interested in this stuff, all asking me about the Bitcoin ETF. And I'm like, this is this is crazy. And, you know, it was really lovely to have a conversation, but I'm like, wow, okay, very unusual to be at a girly lunch and then have a, a girly dinner and having this conversation happen. But it was really nice. And my dad phoned me up and he was so proud of himself because he bought some Bitcoin like a few years back. And he phoned him up and said, I bought Bitcoin. I know what I'm doing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, dad, you know, nice. try." (laughs) But it was really cute. It's nice that people are getting so excited by it. And, yeah, it's great seeing the normies coming in.
1: Oh, same thing. So I was back on the other side of Michigan visiting family this week. And uh, I'm sitting there with my dad literally as it happened. Actually, it was the day before, two days before we were sitting there when the fake tweet went out about it gone, you know.
2: About oh, that's 30. another conversation we should totally have yeah, in a second. Yeah, let's swing back Wait. to
1: that. But like my dad's sitting there and he goes, so you're doing this Web3 stuff, right? You're, you're into this crypto stuff, right? And I'm like, yeah, dad, you should know this by now. I've only been doing it a few years. And uh, I sat there. I walked him through it. I sat, I sat, We set up an Xverse wallet. We went to Coinbase. He's like, "Okay, what do I need to do here?" He deposited money on Coin. He went through the whole whole process, bought like a thousand bucks worth of Bitcoin, and I don't know what he's going to do with it. But I ordered him. I ordered him a uh, a ledger. Um, so we're going to see what happens from that. But no, it's it's really cool to see just culture starting to catch up, and it begs the question: Adam, are we seeing the approval of a Bitcoin ETF signaling a broader acceptance of Black Tan technology? traditional finance or are we seeing people just say money is money and we just want to chase that
0: yeah i'd go with the money is money right um i think you know almost everybody who's buying that etf has no idea what blockchain technology is right uh so yeah it, it like baby steps i guess you'd say you know baby steps uh to try and grow um the entire crypto space it's just you know you have to have things that get people excited and the best way to get people excited is earning money uh it's the thing that it really moves the needle for people and so we've seen that in crypto right whether it was the nft bull run in 21 defi summer right this onboards people into crypto uh it gets you to learn how to use wallets you know how many of us have 50 wallets now a bunch of block different blockchains and stuff Go through the pain of learning all this stuff simply because we see an opportunity to make money right like so i'm not discounting how important that is right that is critical like if we want people to really be interested in it uh either they're motivated by you know the ability to make money or they're motivated by their current financial situations and living in costa rica i know people from you know venezuela or argentina or wherever who've had you know We get spoiled in that we have relatively stable financial systems that we can count on and depend on, right? But people who don't look for alternatives. And I think, you know, from a core perspective, that's what crypto offers. And um, providing easy on-ramps for those people is really important. I think that's one of the big things that come out of, you know, ordinals and the explosion of ordinals was this building on Bitcoin where you know, you can get an Xverse wallet or, a le- uh, you know, a leather wallet. And it's it's native, it's intuitive, it's easy, right? Those sort of things weren't really available on Bitcoin. And so, so that sort of ease of onboarding is super important. Um, and it's really important for people who are in maybe not the greatest uh, financial situation. And so I think, you know, any sort of event like ordinals that cause this building to take place people get excited because there's money there and so people begin creating tools and getting vc funding and all the rest of it that takes place actually helps the entire space move forward because of all the things i just talked about like it's it's just it makes it easier for all those people in all those countries who need this to actually use it and so you know, I'm super hopeful and and of just what's happened over the last year. I think crypto is just in an incredible spot right now. Um, and certainly, you know, I know we kind of all get in this these bull run vibes. But for me, the bull run vibes right now are really crypto people just kind of aping on new stuff. Right. It's not something that is a game changer and is bringing in normies again. Right. I haven't seen anything that's like, oh, DeFi, I need to get in there. Or ooh NFTs, I need to get in there. I haven't seen anything like that uh, yet during this, you know, the start of this new bull run. I'm hopeful, and I believe something will happen. I mean, maybe it is BRC twenties. Maybe it is this idea of inscriptions or you know shitcoins on every chain. That's possible. It's possible, right? That that really moves the needle for people. Um, but I feel like it's going to be something different. I think I think somebody, there's some kids out there building something right now that's going to take the crypto space by storm and by by kind of default, bringing a whole bunch of new uh, newcomers to the space. That, that's the way it's traditionally gone. And that's the way, that's what I'd put my money on.
1: I would too. And in fact, I think Nessie and I both know of a, a, a protocol being built on Bitcoin right now that is, that is pushing the boundaries of what we thought was possible with the Lambda protocol, which uh, is bringing these DeFi aspects to Bitcoin, such as smart contracts. Uh, and stuff like that. And that's going to be a real game changer when that launches. Uh, I, I mean, Nessie and I have both seen it work in testnet. We're probably one of 20 people alive who have seen this technology work. It's fantastic. And we're seeing it evolve at such a quick place now. I mean, I mean it, it's really incredible to see, like you're saying, the advancement of the technology. And with more money coming in from the ETF, it's just going to drive developers to blockchain, whether it's Bitcoin or Doge or Bell, or any number of other chains. So, for me, that is what is exciting. I cannot wait to see where the technology is at a year from now. And just just as a refresher, um, um, Adam, what is it? What are some of the aspects of decentralized finance that you know really got you excited when you first learned about it?
0: You know, to be honest decentralized finance doesn't move my needle (laughs) (laughs) it really doesn't um i mean i understand why people uh want staking farming and all that um but for me that doesn't move my needle um i love the idea to be able to send value across the world with zero friction that is something you know i've run businesses my whole (laughs) you know since that time i'm 12 years old um being able to work with teams you know around the world and send people value through crypto that is like a core thing that i find amazing being able to coordinate with people again teams and people all over the world i've worked on projects you know and we coordinate through smart contracts and everything you know and i don't really even know these people like literally don't even know who they are in real life yet i can trust that i'm going to get paid because it's done through smart contract technology like that's incredible um and then simply ownership of digital items on public blockchains like that alone to me is the most important technology happening in the world right now because and i i know we're at the baby steps of it and it's all about monkey pictures and jpegs but the reality is is that almost the entire world lives in a digital environment now um we recognize it as the phone sitting in front of us but we're digital natives we live in a digital world now and for the last you know 20 years that digital space um has been not owned by anybody except big tech companies and they control the entire space and blockchain technology actually changes that and it started with you know hey we own jpegs okay but the the idea is so much larger than that, and I don't think even most people in this space recognize that ownership of digital items. Even though the vast, vast majority of those the digital items have no value, but the va- but ownership of them changes the entire dynamic of what happens in the digital space. And we're just beginning to play around with these ideas, um, and some of them have taken off. The idea of you know ENS names. The idea of, you know, a PFP, which is owned as an NFT, like these first steps of things that we started talking about in, you know, 2011, 2012, have finally caught hold and we understand, oh, I I actually own this and this is my digital item. And almost nobody in the world understands the power of that yet. Like we don't really get ownership of digital items yet. Uh, talk to any normal friend of yours and tell them you own something in a digital space they'll tell you you're crazy because you don't own anything you know nothing's owned in the digital space and public blockchains change that and we just have to convince the rest of the world that this is a good idea like of course they don't have to buy it but if they do buy it and if we change that mindset of what a digital item is and that it can actually be owned um we change the world like the world is completely changed And it may take two decades, three decades to get there. But when we do get there, uh, we are in a world that's owned by individuals and not large corporations. And uh, I'm excited for that world. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm excited.
2: I'm excited too. (laughs) For sure. Um, I'm just gonna uh, introduce Thomas. Welcome to the stage. Thomas, do you want to introduce yourself?
3: yes hello uh appreciate you bringing me up on stage um yeah look i mean uh it's it's always really interesting to hear you guys like think and the the way you guys think about this stuff um i've been uh you know involved in in the bitcoin space for for quite a while um co-founder of hey Apollo.com, and we uh, we have a discovery a search and discovery platform for Bitcoin products and services and you know i I spent a lot of time thinking and working in the space um, I have to say I, I don't have the same uh, mental model as some of you guys which is which is, which is fine um, I, I I think it's the, the, the concept of Digital ownership is kind of interesting, but where I come back to when I think about a lot of this stuff is um, you can own you can own a profile picture and these kind of things, but of course, you have to ask what 's it worth right so anyone can own it, and I think that you already can own it but what's the supply of that what 's the demand of that well the de- the demand is pretty uh limited you know for any particular jpeg but of course the the supply of them is well it's infinite actually it's infinite it's going up forever um and so that that's the issue where you know like they're not going to the moon um that's just uh that's something that people people don't quite understand that that's that's a strong opinion that i have um but then I look at something like Bitcoin, which is the, which is the complete opposite. Actually, it's uh, perfectly scarce, uh, absolutely finite, and it, it's subject to all these uh, macroeconomic events, which are going to really see it become the world's money. Actually, uh, the, the world's money, and what we're what we're seeing is a very uh, bullish setup, which I do agree with a lot of you. Um, when, when we look at the the sort of this coming coming cycle you have a situation where interest rates are appear to be at a appear to be at a high right now uh, a, a local high um, not not a, not an all-time high in history of course but in the last in the last 20 years a high and likely to come down we've got a halving coming up which reduces the supply of of Bitcoin from miners, but more importantly, it doubles the marginal cost of mining, which means that new incoming uh, capital is much more likely to buy spot Bitcoin than they are to invest in Bitcoin mining, because it's more attractive on the whole, right? You're going to have a situation where the marginal cost of mining Bitcoin is going is about to go from $30,000 to $60,000. That's going to happen in two months uh and then we also just have all of this political uncertainty right now where we have malay that's coming in argentina and a lot of other countries are looking right now and thinking about potentially adopting bitcoin and there's always that right tail event i mean hell in america you have robert kennedy saying he wants to literally back the dollar with bitcoin now all of, all of these individually are pretty low-probability events, but the point is, is that there's a lot of these potential uh, right-tail events happening right now that could potentially strike up an absolute, uh, just, just strike a light to this, this bull run. So I am uh, very excited about Bitcoin right now. For a lot of reasons, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's—I think there's a, there's a lot of interesting stuff we could talk about. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll leave it there and then you can give me your response.
2: I think it's nice hearing a completely different side of it as well, because obviously we're playing in the DeFi space and we've been playing in crypto and NFT space. Particularly, that's where I play. So it's nice hearing your side, thinking of it from a completely different side to that. I kind of don't want to forget about it, which is where my head's at, but I kind of want to pivot to the whole tweet, the, f- the hack of the Twitter account, the fact that ETF was announced in advance. I want to kind of bring that up as a conversation. What were your thoughts when that all happened? I mean, this was it kind of showed us how the market was going to react. But, you yeah, <laughs> what do you guys think?
0: I actually think, um, you know, Thomas and I are completely aligned on on Bitcoin um and and just to to Thomas's point on not getting ownership of digital items like I hear him like totally get it uh as i said earlier like almost nobody gets it And, and it's an idea that may not work uh just as as Bitcoin was an idea that may not work uh 10 years ago even you know up until a few years ago Bitcoin was an idea that may not work right um the idea of digital ownership is so new And so counterintuitive to the way we've interfaced with digital items since the birth of the internet uh, that most people still don't understand the ramifications. I don't even understand the full ramifications of what can take place over the next couple of decades. Um, So just just to put a point on that. Um, Yeah, I think the hack uh, was actually hilarious uh, because anybody who's managed, like myself, kind of large social media accounts where multiple people have access to the account uh understood exactly what took place uh which is hilarious you know luckily they were able to get it back um pretty quickly um but it was so fun i mean you know i (laughs) how awesome was that for crypto i mean this is like classic crypto man uh that account gets hacked you know bad tweet goes out my whole thing was like bro they couldn't even change what was it like squiggles or whatever they were selling they couldn't make it like Gary's squiggles like they didn't even have time to put that out, like why couldn't they made it like gary's squiggles you know are minting now right instead it was just like the standard squiggle scam uh you know tweet that we've all seen a hundred times uh but for me, it was hilarious and classic crypto
1: and for me, what I really thought was funny was that Gary Gunster had put out like a sheet on like a basic safety tips for technology safety tips and. It had to like, have two FA on all that good stuff. He had followed none of his own tips at all. Um, so I thought that was hilarious. I, I do want to go back just towards the, towards uh, the ETF for a second, Thomas, I, I wanted to get your take on exactly what, what the, what the ETF could pass in the passage of the ETF could possibly mean on the long-term um, future of decentralized financial applications that are currently in existence. Like, do we, see, do we see a, a rise of more, more commercialized decentralized financial applications, uh, if that makes any sense? What, I guess what I'm trying to say is, how is DeFi going to change because of this ETF passing? Yeah,
3: well, look, I think that this is a real opportunity for people in the traditional finance space to get exposure to bitcoin's price um and we know we know that the the number one thing that actually brings people like the the number one thing that brings people to bitcoin and excited about this space is price appreciation first before anything else, first comes greed. <laughs> um, first comes excitement about making some money, and then, and then you might get interested as you go further down the rabbit hole. You might get actually interested in the technology and interested in the political and social and economic ramifications uh, of a potential technology change, and that that's all fascinating. But the very first thing for ninety nine percent of people is Hey, this is an opportunity to you know for me to make some money. Now, what I see is that there are a lot of there's there's, a, there's some f- a few key markets that don't have access to Bitcoin until this ETF came along. So retail generally has has access and then hedge funds and this sort of thing do have access. but, you have there's an enormous market of people that simply don't, first of all they don't manage their own money. They use a traditional financial planner, and they don't. They've never had any real tool to buy Bitcoin simply because the the financial planner has no way of offering it to them. That they don't want to. Like you have to, you have to imagine every you know sixty year old that goes to their planner that asks them about Bitcoin the planner says well I'm not going to hold the Bitcoin for you of course not and then they're not capable of custodying it themselves so it's 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 simply imp- it's simply been impossible and this has also been true for financial institutions to some extent where they it's just been it created this massive friction that comes with uh, not being able to hold not being a able to hold the keys themselves. Now the the, the other part of two is that it's not simply about whether or not somebody could do it in the past. The fact of the matter is is that there this is a huge stamp of approval from, well firstly the government of the United States, but secondly you have all of the major financial institutions really in in America except for Vanguard, but you have BlackRock, Fidelity, the like just just about every single every single major financial institution in America is giving it its stamp of approval by offering this product. So, you know, we we live in a world where about fifty percent of the people will still say, "Isn't Bitcoin a Ponzi scheme?" And so, this is trying to clear the confusion that comes with that. Uh, and so, I think it is going to be a huge game changer for Bitcoin. Now, for DeFi, in, in, in a more general sense, if you want to talk about some of these other uh, crypto products, I'm not so sure. I mean, partly for one being that it's sort of antithetical to uh, DeFi. It's not, um, I mean, it's, it's quite clear, clearly not decentralized. It's, uh, it's, it, there's nothing decentralized about it. So I'm not sure that it really helps the uh, quote-unquote DeFi movement at all. Uh, but it certainly will help um, provide Bitcoin price exposure to a number of people, which, by the way, I think is a, just a fantastic thing because it's uh, Bitcoin is an incredibly important tool for people in a world where, you know, in, in 2020, 2021... The US government printed 40% of all the dollars in existence. And what's going to happen next, next financial crisis, next recession? Well, I think there's every chance you're going to see the exact same thing. And people, people need a chance to actually protect themselves from that. And Bitcoin offers that. So it's just a very natural, uh, it's, it's just, a, it's, it's just the, a completely important tool for that everybody should have to be able to protect their financial wealth. Um, so I think it's, it's good that more people have access to that now.
2: I agree with you completely. I think it's, that's such a strong point. There's, uh, there's so many places I can go with this and I'm trying to figure like, do you see, and then do you see there's going to be the Bitcoin ETF having a big impact on liquidity within the DeFi market? was that for me either on if you, whoever wants to go first
0: <laughs> you, you go at it. I'm actually I'm actually with Thomas on the I like I you know as far as relation to DeFi like I don't think it really moves the needle much into DeFi um again it's more about you know if it attracts DeFi people into DeFi it, the only way I see that happening is more of like this you know Bitcoin becoming more mainstream so that if people move into crypto or move into DeFi, you know, Bitcoin just becomes this like entry point. Um, but the reality is I I don't feel like much like Thomas. I don't feel like this moves the needle uh, one way or the other for DeFi other than, you know, gaining wide, more widespread, you know, adoption of Bitcoin and understanding of what Bitcoin is to kind of the wider, you know, group of normies uh, that represent most people in the world other than that. I don't feel like it really helps DeFi at all. Um, you know, I think actually one thing we, we might talk about a little is, um, you know, a little bit of with the growth of, you know, ordinals and kind of building on Bitcoin. And maybe Thomas can talk about this a little bit is, um, you know, access to DeFi products on Bitcoin where people can actually loan out their Bitcoin and be paid in Bitcoin. Uh, I think is one thing that 's kind of i know really exciting to bitcoiners uh, maybe Thomas knows more about that than I do, but uh, i don 't know if he wants to talk on that at all because i know it's it 's one thing that excites bitcoiners a lot
3: um, yeah, look, I think that there 's going to be a lot of interesting applications built on bitcoin uh and that 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 's one of them i mean Ordinals is um I think it's I think it's exciting that it's there's something that's something new being built on Bitcoin that uh, wasn't wasn't built before I mean I would it, it you know I, I have I have mixed feelings because I, I will
2: oh I think we might have lost him he might have just got a call sometimes that yeah, happens he, he,
0: yeah he just got rugged he's back I yeah think. are you back
2: yeah you're back Thomas uh,
3: Sorry, guys. I was just going to say, um, I think that uh, look. I think that the final, like the innovation on ordinals that you're talking about there is is really um, it's incredibly interesting. And I'm, I mean, I am, I, I I'm, I think it's like there's going to be a lot of applications built on. Built on Bitcoin, that we're that we're seeing. I mean, right now, it's it's mostly um, sort of meme coins and and JPEGs. But this this De- DeFi stuff you're talking about, I do think that's all coming. And I have I have mixed feelings because I think it's 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 exciting and it will bring about a lot of uh, innovation. But I also think that, um, much like the way this typically goes, is that a lot of people are going to get wrecked um, doing that. I mean, it's you, it, 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 it's a dangerous game when you when you're lending out uh, when you're lending out uh, your Bitcoin to other people chasing a yield. I mean, that's what we saw certainly last cycle um, in that sort of yield chasing environment. Uh, it's a good way to lose your Bitcoin, really. Um, and so. I think that there will be a ton of innovation and I, I welcome it. Um, but I also sort of suggest caution for people when they're doing that. If they want to play around with that, I would suggest using a, a pretty uh, small proportion of their overall stack because you just have to be conscious that... Um, there is there's there's a really good way it's it's a great way to lose your Bitcoin to lend it out in in one of these protocols and that's
0: yeah I I totally agree it's funny the um I feel like in a lot of ways ordinals have kind of speed run the entire you know nft 21 bull run it was like you know pfp pictures uh gaming metaverse you know it's like we we sped run the entire thing in six months you know right uh, and, and getting you know wrecked is most certainly part of that uh that's that's just kind of anybody who's in, in it long enough knows that this is what happens um and i would say you know but but the building that happens on top of it in a way you know obviously it doesn't make up for it on a personal level if somebody lost uh, a, a tremendous amount of money which is you know, for me it's frankly on them because like we all know what's happening here. But in a lot of ways, the building that happened on top of it um provides this the infrastructure for not necessarily DeFi to happen, but for I don't know. I who was I I was reading like I don't know, Ray Yusuf maybe the other day was talking about um you know just allowing for peer to peer transactions on a kind of um you know uh for he was i don't know talk about africa or something right but how do we have peer-to-peer transactions that take place that are very inexpensive and allow a a circular economy to happen on bitcoin right and i think pre-ordinals that was far less likely to happen than it is post-ordinals because of all the the tech that's been built on top of bitcoin and so in 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 that way i think we're far better off a year on into ordinals than we were kind of pre-ordinals um, so th- that's my kind of gut feeling on where we are right now. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. I mean, I, I, I think that there is like, uh, one, one of the, one of the challenges is that there's a, there's a real, um, there's a real trade off and I, I don't, I don't have sort of a strong opinion one way or the other, but I know like one, one of the things we do see now that ordinals has like this excitement around ordinals is that the, um, the block fees have gone up significantly, um, which does mean that sort of transactions on the main chain are much more expensive and it can even be um, potentially that can flow through to the lightning network, which sort of Bitcoin's probably uh, most dominant layer two network um, in the sense of potentially if people are trying to do that in a uh, self cust self custodial manner and opening lightning channels themselves that 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 can actually be more expensive as well um and so it 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 can have this sort of negative effect on people's ability to um make those transactions but as you as you said it it also opens up the ability to maybe potentially create new applications that um don't yet exist yet so Uh, I, I think a lot of that is sort of, uh, to be determined, but, um, you know, uh, the, the the thing about it is, is that it's, it's, it's one of those things that like ordinals is here. Um, and it's, I I love that it's bringing a lot of excitement and energy to the space in a way that wasn't like, like that sort of developer mindshare was really focused on, um, you know a lot of other blockchain like probably like ethereum um primarily sort of last cycle and i like the fact that that's coming to bitcoin and it's on bitcoin now and i think it's going to be like that's going to be the main story of this of the next uh few years people really building on bitcoin uh and and i think that's really cool i
1: think what people often forget is we we, we look at bitcoin as a currency but what it really is is a piece of is a piece of software Uh, and and software can be built upon. And and there's so many, so much more use, many more use cases to software and Bitcoin than, than just this layer case that everyone is is looking at. I did want to switch back to the ETF for a second, Thomas, because in the twins pinned tweet up top, uh, you mentioned something that was really curious to me is we've traditionally seen two approaches to Bitcoin, right? When We've seen companies embrace it, and then we've seen companies shy away from it. And after the ETF passed, Vanguard shied away from it. They announced that that, that they wouldn't be supporting uh, investment in any uh, any Bitcoin ETFs, which led to Fidelity saying the exact opposite: "Hey, we're going to embrace this new ETF, this new technology, uh, this new opportunity for investors." Um, do you think that Vanguard has a do you think really that Vanguard's going to have to backtrack on that at some point? Or do you think that we're going to see more of a culture war on this sort of thing?
3: Oh, I think it's going to be both. I think, I think that in the long run, they will definitely, definitely backtrack on it, but I do think they're going to dig their, dig their heels in uh, quite a bit right now. Um, And that, and that, that makes sense because it's such a, um, like it's politically charged like people you, you people really feel um, I, I talk to people in my life all the time and and and, 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 and am often quite amazed at how um, you know I'm like and I, I don't really like frankly bring up Bitcoin too much in in my real personal life to people I, I mean I I, I do for anybody that's that's that I think might be interested in it, but I don't. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to, going around um, really trying to convince strangers because I, I I just think that uh, there, there's more there's more fruitful ways of onboarding people onto Bitcoin, uh, which is which is what I do. I guess try to do it at scale on the internet, but um, what I find in real life is amazed talking to people how often there's a really strong emotional negative reaction to it like fear, basically absolute uh, fear that comes from this, this unknown thing. And I, 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 I sort of can get it cause it's, 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 it's like, and it's, it's, it's coming from a place of, well, just horror at the thought of there actually being new money. And that's exactly what, uh that's terrifying for people that don't understand it and don't don't um don't want to understand it because it's just new technology is inherently scary anyway, and then when people say we're, we're going to replace your money that's that that is incredibly triggering um, and I think that vanguard are tapping into the fact that they have a lot of clients that that don't want to and it's just a it's a differentiating factor for them to be anti-Bitcoin. I mean, you have the, like, let's, let like, someone like Elizabeth Warren, so she has a constituency. Like, I don't agree with her opinions, but she has a constituency. So these people exist. Uh, and I think Vanguard have decided that that's their, that's their group of people. Ultimately, um, ultimately, I think that it's just, they're going to be losing money doing that. It's just a bad business decision, though. So I don't see it as a, Uh, Like this is my point of view about their strategy. I understand what their strategy is for the differentiation, but I, I suspect that uh, it's not like, it's not a long term thing in terms of, you know, in twenty thirty, I think they'll be offering Bitcoin, Bitcoin services, but for the next couple of years, no, I think they're going to dig their heels in.
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, these things kind of have a hype cycle, life cycles. We always have one generation who's going to push forward, another generation who's going to, you know, pull back and, and want to stick toward tradition. We see it in literally every technology, every social issue. So it's not a surprising thing for me to see, at least. I mean, we're even seeing it within Bitcoin itself with, um, with traditional Bitcoin maxis like Luke Dash uh, and Ocean Mining, and their group who, who want to refuse to even mine ordinals and ordinal theory, because they they think it's spam. They don't think it's pushing the technology forward. So, you know, we, we're always going to see that division and and it sucks, but it is what it is. It's going to move forward eventually. As far as, you know, the regulatory approach towards Bitcoin and an EPF, ETF goes, long term, what sort of regulation do you think we need within the, you know, cryptocurrency ecosystem or do we need regulation? Um I guess that's kind of an open question to, to both of you here. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts.
2: Well,
0: give, I'll just give the small business guys uh, thoughts on regulation. Regulation um, it crushes innovation and businesses. And that's coming from personal experience, having run multiple businesses uh, in the U.S. and here in Costa Rica. Um, and, and the reality is, is most regulation protects no one. Uh, as we know from, you know, whatever, SEC, Bernie Madoff, and all the rest of it. I mean, it's the most ridiculous of ridiculous things, thinking that the government's going to come in and either create a market or protect people in a market. I mean, it just, it literally doesn't work. But we have this traditional system that we've kind of grown accustomed to. And people want to feel safe at the end of the day. And, you know, how safe are you when your money gets debased to infinity. Um, it's like a, it's like a frog getting slowly boiled. You don't really realize you're getting, you're losing all your value, but you are losing all your value. And, you know, traditional finance, we've gotten accustomed to whatever my, my bank account, you know, somebody hacks my bank account and it gets stolen, all the money gets put back. And we've gotten accustomed to that. Um, that works in a system where you can just print infinite money and will probably work there it will work until it won't work like this is not a new playbook we've seen this all over the globe it works until it doesn't work and frankly i want it to work in the us until my kids 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 pass away like i want it to work forever right because i don't want my family in the states to have to go through you know complete disaster and i know a lot of bitcoiners want the us dollar to completely collapse um you know that's crazy talk like either you don't have friends and family in the states or you're just an insane person who wants to see people suffer like i don't want to see people suffer i hope the fed's able to you know keep this train running for another hundred years right but history tells us that that is not likely to happen like that's just not going to happen um and so bitcoin and crypto is the alternative and so i look at it as look it's just our job to try and onboard people uh I'm with Thomas man telling people about it or trying to onboard people in your real life like that's a terrible strategy like you get somebody like you get somebody to buy Bitcoin and then Bitcoin drops in half and you've lost a friend like do not do that um but for people who are ready for it uh and certainly there are lots of people ready for it um you know it's onboarding them to an alternative system and hopefully This can be an alternative system where it's just like this peaceful revolution that takes place uh, over the next, you know, 30, 50, 150 years where people move into this technology and it's a safe, kind, soft revolution and not something harsh that uh, that the U.S. and the whole West has, has to kind of face with a massive crash. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Yeah, I I think.
3: I, I well, look. Firstly, I, I agree with a lot of what Adam Adam has to say, and I my my feeling is that actually it's probably there's there's not a lot of regulation that's really needed, and it's it's not to say that I don't think rules. I I I wouldn't advocate for a complete wild wild west. I just say that like if you looked at what. uh take FTX for example well it's not like it's not like we need more regulation to stop FTX what they were doing was, com- was completely yeah, we illegal
0: didn't, we didn't, we those rules are already in place <laughs> yes, yes Don't steal exactly. your customer like, funds
3: <laughs> yeah like like so i i i'm not advocating wow wow West, do anything you want but what i am saying is is that we already have like yeah you you can't just steal and rob people's rob people's money like that is that is rightfully illegal and that or those rules already are in place and it certainly in that case it didn't it didn't um it didn't stop us from the ftx disaster so i don't think if the existing rules are not being followed i don't think the the answer is um more rules, I think the answer is you You need to have more educated uh, users so to understand that it's highly risky, frankly, to leave your Bitcoin in a you know, this an institution operating out in Bahamas um, to a guy who's fucking drug addicted, doing orgies and is just a complete mess of a person I think that you want to hold your hold your keys certainly pre- pre- preferably in self custody but if not at least um, at least I think you are going to have a better ch- better shot using a a uh, a regulated financial institution like coinbase than you would um a lot of these other things so uh that's, but that's, that's a kinda- really
2: Interesting point, Thomas. I mean, what level of education do we need to give if we're bringing in a lot of, and you know, the ETF has come, people are getting normies are starting to talk about it. It's, you know, it's making mainstream news, but what level of education should we be doing or should the space be doing? I got to gotta do jump that? in
0: here. I know this there is no appropriate level of education. It never, ever will happen, can happen. H- humans are humans. And there are smart people and dumb people. And it doesn't even matter. Like, if you're in the space and you're self uh your crypto, you're going to get scammed. You're going to lose crypto. Like, it, it doesn't even matter. I, I had people today, like friends of mine, uh, he lost, I don't even know what, uh, on a scam link or whatever. Like, you're going to get wrecked to some degree. I just, I, I, a, a story came up to me, um, just reminded me, You know, speaking of this regulation, I think the IRS came out with, uh, I don't even know if it's a rule or a statement uh, a couple weeks ago saying that if you accept a payment of $10,000 or more equivalent in crypto, you have to report immediately, you know, name, social security number. I don't know if you guys saw this happening. Um, And a guy I know, he's here on X, uh, Bruce Fenton, he runs the Satoshi Roundtable um which is a crypto conference a bitcoin crypto conference and he accepted and has been accepting crypto as payment for like a decade and but because of this new regulation he literally for legal reasons can't accept crypto payments anymore because it's it's an expensive you know thing it's like 15 grand to go to this thing right and um you know, you just look at those rules, but they the IRS offered, there's no form to fill out. They don't tell you who you need to report it to. They don't tell you how you're supposed to report it. It's literally a paragraph that they just put out there and say, okay, this is a, re- a regulation now, yet we're not going to tell you exactly what to do. And this is so common in regulatory environments, especially in traditional finance, that it's hard to state unless you've kind of been in it to know just how how terrible this is. And I could tell you stories from my brother who ran an option business for uh, a decade. You know, traditional finance, option market. And the regulations become so burdensome that small players simply can't exist. And it consolidates power in the hands of one or two large players. And the entire small, what I would traditionally call small businesses, Are completely wiped out. And so, and you've seen that in traditional finance. You know, back in the 80s in Wall Street, there were thousands of traders, hundreds of thousands of traders. Now those are all gone, all gone. It's controlled by a couple big players. And you just see what's happening in traditional finance. And that's what happens when you get kind of these hyper regulated environments. Um, Anyway, that's my ramble. I'd love to hear it. Uh, Thomas, you have thoughts?
3: Ah uh, yeah look I I I think um I mean what 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 you're seeing there is is it's it's interesting uh the way it's it's sort of um counter to the the ETF approval or in in one sense I think it's clearly like the government is trying to frame bitcoin away from being a currency and towards being uh this sort of regulated asset that is um that they've got their hands around and can control um i mean look good luck to them it's (laughs) i'm not sure how successful they're going to be but uh i think that's that's what that is i mean uh, it's it's i would love to see a complete deregulation of uh, just the ability to send and receive send and receive uh bitcoin um, which some countries some countries have and then other countries have um a little bit more flexible where you can that that you don 't have to report it for example if it 's a minim minimal amount of bitcoin but um you know that that, that it's it 's one of the things that they do have as a as a weapon in their arsenal if you if they if they make a rule that says you have to report every time you send your bitcoin um okay it doesn't stop anybody from sending it but what it does do is it creates well suddenly they have they have the ability to either make it um incredibly inconvenient or make people criminals that don't want to be criminals so it creates Um,
0: the infinite gotcha loop where you know certainly on the IRS level um you know everybody in America who has any sort of complicated financial situation uh if they want to get you they can get you like that's just the way it works right um and certainly so if they wanted to come down on crypto I mean if you've done any sort of crypto stuff like me buy sell nfts whatever it's infinitely complex if I went to three different tax accountants I would get three very different tax filings. Zero question right. about that. And each one of those accountants would tell me the other accountant was crazy and stupid, right? And so what do you do with that? What that does is it sets up an environment where everybody, by by just you participating in the environment, can be got. And I don't think any of us wants to live in a society where we feel like, Our government is against us and can get us at any time if they want to get us like that's that's the worst case scenario. And I feel like that's where we're moving to, at least in the states to some degree. And I think that is in and of itself is is terrifying to me. Um, I don't know if you if you if you're getting that same vibe, Thomas, or are you not getting that vibe in relation to not only Bitcoin, but all, all of crypto?
3: Uh, look, I, th- I think that's I think that's right. Um, I don't even necessarily think it's that's limited to to crypto, although obviously that is a big part of it. But no, that it I has... to-
0: I agree with you, man. I agree with you there totally. It's not not just crypto, yeah.
3: Yeah, it's um, this, and 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 you know there are corollaries to this in history. I mean, if you looked at um, if you looked at the Soviet era. Uh, Stuff. I mean, it's it's a classic thing where there are you just create a million a million laws um, that nobody can possibly comply with, that nobody does comply with, and it's sort of it's sort of fine, quote unquote, on a day to day basis because it doesn't really matter. But what it means is that at any point in time, if the if the government wanted to get you. They could, because they could find they could find a rule you have broke. You know, so it's this that's the sort of the problem when you have a lot of laws that sort of they the laws exist, nobody gets punished for them, so everybody breaks them, but then um there's always the ability to uh <laughs> charge people. I, I, I definitely think um that I mean we saw a lot of that uh, certainly, during the the last few years in the COVID crisis, um, I think that was a that was a classic example where there was a million new rules brought in, and at least where I live, there was a million new new rules brought in, and nobody followed them all because um, they were crazy, terrible laws. But then, you know, rules. Uh, but then, you just you just criminalized all of society, basically. Um, and it's completely at the whim of of government as to who they're going to punish. Um, it's just a terrible situation to be in. Uh, so I agree with that.
1: Absolutely. I, I think I think we all we all kind of agree with that. Without getting too deep into politics, or or even deeper into politics, right? Like basically, anyone, everyone's breaking a law a day dozens of laws a day if you're an American citizen. And at any point in time, if someone wanted to come out and get you, fine you for something or another, they could. I think that's kind of like uh, one of those things that we, we have to keep in the back of our mind, uh, at least as, as Americans here. We've been going for nearly an hour and a half now, and I do wanna close with one final question here regarding just ETFs in general. We saw a Bitcoin ETF get approved. It took years and years. Do we see an Ethereum ETF in
0: 2024? Ooh, I'll go first because that's an easy no. I got to believe that's a no. Um, Do I think Ethereum might eventually happen? Yeah, for sure. Uh, But I I don't think, I think it's going to be, Bitcoin's far easier uh, for them to kind of uh, wrap their head around. It's been, you know, floated out. It's just a commodity or something much simpler um so my gut says no on ethereum uh in 24 that that's i think that's a pretty easy call
3: yeah i tend to i tend to agree i well i would say that um i don't here's the thing i don't think they want to um i don't think they want to do that but i also don't think They wanted to do a Bitcoin ETF either, and the courts kind of forced their hand. So that's where I would say, you know, if 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 they took a vote on the Ethereum ETF today, I'm very confident they would say no. But like, do I? How quickly does a does this get settled? In you know, does does Grayscale raise another law? case the way they they did uh, last year for the bitcoin one which they won and can the SEC win in a, in a in a court of law uh I don't know it's 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 very unclear it's never been proven that ethereum is a security although widely speculated that it it should be classified as one uh, but that but it but it but it hasn't been in its life um, and so this is just one of those Things I think they, I think, look, I, I don't, I don't, I expect it will get pushed back originally. But what happens in in, in once, once it goes to court, uh, the kind of the onus is on, on the SEC to prove it's a security, and that's not, uh, an easy thing to do. I mean, they couldn't even do that, um, for XRP. And so, in that world, I could see them, their hands being forced, uh, in the next couple of years. So, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see.
1: Yeah, I, it's going to be fun to see. I think it's going to be at least a decade, you know, before they're able to really, if they want to, force any regulations that true regulations down our throat. And by that time, it's probably going to be a little late. Uh, I do want to say before we wrap things up, if anyone out there has a question for us uh, or, or anything at all, please hit that request button. We'll get you on stage, um, and we would love to to hear from you. But if not, that's a quick reminder of who we are here at Cashflow Chronicles. Cashflow Chronicles, we bring together subject matter experts in a wide array of things, get to know them, get to understand their, their areas of expertise a little bit better, and pass those nuggets of knowledge on to you guys. I want to thank you know both of our guests today, Adam McBride and, and Thomas Farher. Farher? I'm not going yeah, to. Right. name. I'm sorry. Uh, from hey, uh for joining us today. And I do want to thank Nessie as well. She did jump. If you guys didn't notice, uh, you're probably missing her, her lovely voice. But she had a real life meeting to hop to. She's in Australia. So it's Monday morning for her. Once again, this is Cashflow Chronicles. We're talking about the Bitcoin ETF and its impact on DeFi. And thank you all so much for another wonderful episode.
0: Thanks guys. Have a great day. Thanks, man. Bye. Bye. There's three rules that are absolutely paramount. It's the builder, the visionary.